All right, welcome to another COVID-19 series, Life Goes On Metcast. And today we're discussing an, uh, a topic that's very, very important for everybody, and that is what happens to tourism after the COVID-19 uh, virus, or should I say during the COVID-19 virus, because I wish it were over, but it doesn't yet. So, and we're discussing this with three very distinguished uh, people, the, my distinguished guests today, and I thank you very, very much, all of you, for being with us on MEPCAST today. And we, I will start with uh, Ana Asanasopoulou. Hello, Ana. Hello, Ana is, is the head of Tourism, Textiles, and Creative Industries at the European Commission, coming to us from Brussels, correct, Ana? Indeed. Thank you. Nice to have you. And then... Uh, we have Tom Jenkins. Tom is the CEO of the European Tourism Association, which represents tour operators and their suppliers at the European level. As he just explained to me, mostly deals with incoming tourism from North America, Japan, and That's correct. for being with us. Also in Brussels, correct? I'm afraid I'm in London at the moment. So. Ah, in London. There we go. We have a fully international today and Kaya has a beautiful background and I asked if she's in Santorini but she's not in beautiful Santorini yet. Kaya is the vice president of Canava Hotels and Resorts which has uh, a number of hotels on the beautiful island of Santorini and also on the island of Paros. Thank you very much Kaya for taking time to be with us. Thank you for having us. So we're discussing tourism, a huge sector. I'm just going to just remind everybody how important the tourism sector is for Europe. Um, by the way, I also have a very small hotel on the island of Idra. I don't know if my family owns and runs. And so, so I've been following what goes on in the tourism industry from that, from Kaya's perspective. Um, tourism is a, a sector which represents 10% of European GDP, which provides 12% employment. About 27 people, uh, directly or indirectly, are employed in the tourism sector in Europe. In Greece, I cannot mention my home country. I am an MEP from Greece. After all, Greece, it's a pillar of our economy. 25% of GDP, some people say 30. Um, anywhere between 26 to 40% of the labor force directly or indirectly involved in the tourism sector. 18, million, 18 billion euros in uh, 2018 is the last figure I have. And um, now it's taken a huge hit, as tourism has taken a huge hit all over Europe from the COVID-19 borders. I don't have to explain why in Greece this is particularly bad for us, because 90% approximately of our tourists are foreign tourists, so we can't rely on domestic tourism to make up for the lost income from closed borders and travel restrictions. So the commitment, and I know Anna will talk to us about this in some detail, on the 13th of May has um, given an issued like a package of guidelines that everybody has come to, at least I think, and we'll discuss this very helpful, um, a coordinated, consolidated approach so that country member states are, are trying to do the same thing um, with respect to reopening the border as, and lifting travel restrictions and making sure that we're all safe and healthy. And in Greece, our Prime Minister, Kyriakos Mitsotakis, is basically capitalizing on the um, good reputation of Greece at the moment since we handled the pandemic so far, at least so good. And so Greece is definitely considered up there in terms of safe 
um, travel destinations. I hope you'll corroborate that, Tom. And have our own plan to re re restart the tourism sector um, with our own uh, guidelines that are inspired by the commission guidelines. So here we are, and um, I'm I'm very pleased to hear the the various perspectives. And I'll start with this because, as you know, we put this panel to we asked for questions. We got a lot of questions. Um, so I've tried to consolidate some of the questions to give you the chance to give us your perspective and sort of an opening statement. Basically, a lot, what people are asking is, and, and this is where I think we need to come out on this discussion, is how do we find balance? We're trying to balance between making sure everybody's health is protective, supporting the competitiveness of the travel and tourism industry as a whole at the European level and at the member state level, and making sure that everybody is, is happy with this to the extent possible, is happy with the guidelines and the solutions proposed. That means everybody's perspective. So service providers, tourists, consumers, uh, public authorities, um, and of course, um, people who live in tourism destinations who are also worried about a lot of issues. So, with that as, a, as an opening question, I, I would like to start, we'll, we'll do this, I'd like to start with a commission perspective on this, if you will, Anna, can you please give us your, your idea on how we're gonna achieve balance? Uh, thank you, Michelle, and uh, good afternoon to everyone. Thanks for including the commission in this discussion. Uh, thank you for the invitation. Uh, you mentioned the word balance, and actually this is what everybody's trying to, uh, to strike uh, at the moment. Uh, while everybody is still in a shock, because indeed this um, uh, health pandemic has brought a shock on our societies and our economies, not only in Europe, but across the globe. And we've seen public authorities, we've seen uh, policymakers, we've, we've seen businesses trying to make decisions, on one hand, balancing uh, public health and safety uh, concerns with protecting livelihoods and protecting jobs on, on the other. And now we enter into, into the so-called deconfinement phase, of, at least in Europe. And what we, we are starting to see and what we would like to see from the point of view of the Commission is uh, targeted measures. Targeted measures that can help us achieve this balance between protecting the health of citizens on one hand and ensuring that our economy uh, can come back to life in a sustainable way. This is true for all parts of the European economy, and it's certainly true for tourism, for the tourism ecosystem in the EU, which is perhaps one of the uh, worst hit, if I can say, uh, because, uh, by this uh, pandemic, by this health crisis. And indeed, you mentioned just a minute ago the um, importance of the tourism ecosystem for, for the EU globally, and also for some of the member states. Uh, when we look at the impacts of the crisis, uh, actually we're looking at a, at a landscape of, in economic terms. And that's very important to keep in mind. We see tourism enterprises facing an acute liquidity crisis. We have estimates from the industry at European level that tell us about losses of 50% of 85, I would say, percent for hotels and restaurants. 85% um, for tour operators and travel agencies, 90% uh, for cruises and airlines. It's really a landscape of disaster. And the question is how we can come back to a certain level of normality, bringing together all the different aspects that you just mentioned. 
On the side of the Commission, um, for those at least who have been following what we've been trying to do since the outbreak of the uh, uh, pandemic, uh, we have put forth a series of measures and we have mobilized all means at our disposal on one hand, to uh, bring support to businesses at European level. I only mentioned the 8 billion uh, loan guarantee facility that is currently rolled out through the European Investment Fund to support SMEs in all member states through financial intermediaries, meaning local banks, and that's important. Mm -hmm. um, to support member states, uh, either providing flexibility under state aid, so member states can decide and directly support businesses on the ground uh, where the needs are, or uh, use uh, unused funds under the cohesion policy, very important for some member states, including mm -hmm. Greece, where some important reserves remained unused, and they can be used now to impacts of the crisis, including in the tourism sector. And there the Commission is um, encouraging member states to reuse those funds and look uh, at how they will um, deploy uh, this support also in the tourism sector. And to mention uh, last uh, in that context, um, an initiative that the Commission proposed, the so-called SURE initiative, and it's basically aimed at helping member states to protect jobs and helping businesses to keep the workforce. Uh, we mobilized 100, 100 billion euros, a very important source of help, especially in those member states where such schemes did not exist so far, and Greece is one of them. So this is where we have been until now, and now we are at the phase of restarting tourism, said. And it's important to see how we can do it in the EU uh, in a different way than we did it when entering into the crisis. That is to do it in a coordinated manner, in a transparent manner, and in solidarity with each other. This will help us to restore free mobility of people and of services in the single market, very important for those doing business in the tourism sector, but also give businesses equal chances wherever they may be in the EU, and more importantly, build confidence among citizens and tourists. Uh, and this is the rationale behind the package that the Commission proposed on the 13th of May. Uh, it's a package, comprehensive package to boost tourism in the EU, bring it back to life in safety, and help citizens plan and organize their summer holidays in more confidence, starting from the summer, but also going beyond, hopefully, in the months to come. Uh, so it's interesting to see, and that brings me to the heart of your question, that this package brings together different aspects that we need to look at and coordinate, and looking at how to restart, to starting from borders, travel advice, how to conduct transport services in safety, what we need to put in place, what kind of guidance and protocols, health protocols we need to develop for tourism services, and how to help stimulate demands and confidence among consumers and travelers. So looking at that package and with your question in mind, maybe I will conclude with uh, some messages, key messages, takeaways, if I can call it like that at this phase where, of where we are and how to keep the right balance between the different aspects. I think it's, um, it's true to say that the health, safety and the epidemiological situation will continue to be the guiding principle. And that's important. It's important in the deconfinement phase and it's important perhaps to avoid any reconfinement phase in the future and continue rather on a positive strand. This is important for all member states, those who are who have managed to contain the virus with more 
uh, in a more effective way, but also others, and it concerns all of us. That's the first um, point, and it's important because we are in uncharted waters and nobody knows how we need to adapt our approach in the future. As I mentioned earlier, uh, we need to enter into a phase of targeted and adapted measures, also for tourism, and avoid blanket restrictions from quarantines to travel restrictions and what have you. That will not help restarting tourism in the right, on the right foot, if I can say like that. Third message, and very important perhaps, um, we cannot address the needs of tourism and restart tourism in safety and in a good way if we do it in a siloed manner. That will not work. So we need to work across silos. We need to pull together all the experts, all the actors working on borders, working on health, working on travel advice, on transport, on tourism, on hospitality. We need public and private actors working together. We need coordination that is vertical across, you know, from the European down to the local level and horizontal across the different sectors and policy areas. Uh, fourth message, I mentioned it earlier, but I want to insist on that. It's very much about the people, the citizens, the consumers, the tourists. We need to make sure that we build confidence that they are safe wherever they travel, where, when they are received at hotels. So we need to really bring in place these health protocols. And I know that uh, this is happening in Greece, as it's happening, it is happening in other member states. And we need to share information to consumers. On that, at European level, we are working currently very hard to set up a website, a travel mm -hmm. and tourism app, which will pull together information uh, and help those who want to organize the travel, uh, let's say from somebody who will travel from one country to the other, to another European country, uh, to give information about borders, about any restrictions, what they need to know, if hotels are open, uh, what kind of health protocols, what to do in case of uh, infection, etc. We're hoping to have this reopen uh, Europe uh, travel up uh, and tourism up soon uh, in the next couple of weeks, I hope, because we feel it's very important and we want to connect it with all websites and information available at European level. Great. Uh, last point on my side, um, that's about the consumer, it's about how to do it. It's very important to look at the businesses and where they are, the support that tourism business, businesses need to stay afloat, to operate, to open. It's important to continue protecting jobs, uh, continue addressing the liquidity issue, and it's important to think of um, solutions that bring everything in a mix. We need to adapt, we need to be flexible, and we need to be open to cooperation and coordination. So I will leave it at that. Uh, happy to take up any other questions you may have. Okay, um, people had a lot of questions. Thank you, Anna. So, so Tom, I, I come to you. I mean, so the commission, okay, money for businesses, money for for, for people under the shore program money to for states to support okay state aid is is less interesting for a country like Greece that has no money to to give to businesses but anyway it's interesting for other countries um, so and then guidelines and protocols in order to inspire what Anna correctly called I call building trust again but Anna calls it confidence um, in any case not a, not an easy exercise. Now you you are actually on the ground trying to traffic um, all of this. So so 
What does it look like? What does balance look like from your perspective, Tom? Well, I'd, uh, first of all, I'd, I'd like to congratulate the Commission, on, and particularly Anna, on um, giving a very good tour of the situation. Uh, with a desperate situation, and it's a pan-European problem. And I very much salute the Commission's um, efforts to open up the Schengen area for tourism. This is a crucial point in the recovery process this summer. If we, if we can open up Schengen as a true travel area, it means the businesses within Europe have got a market, which is not a domestic market, but it's a market of 420 million people. And where people like me are going to be struggling to bring long-haul tourists into Europe this summer, um, all the surveys we've done of our members are not expecting any real numbers. Maybe some traffic at the last quarter of the year, but no real numbers before the end. Um, all the indications are that tourism in Europe will rely wholly on intra-European traffic. So um, it's central we get Europe traveling again and seeing Europe. I think the big problem we've got is fear. Um, fear has been um, really used by nation, national governments to impose lockdowns and has been very effective. It's been, uh, they, they've deployed it. And fear is, is, is more contagious than the, than the virus. Uh, everybody has caught it uh, rather than just uh, a small percentage of the populations. And this sort of mentality is totally incompatible with um, the service economy or a service economy that we recognize as a service economy. Uh, the big fear I have is that this fear will not go away. I, I, I think it will because it has to go away. It is simply possible for uh, tourism to survive in a lockdown environment. Um, both the process and the experience are incompatible with social distancing. You cannot have an airport functional distancing, it's not possible. You cannot have an airline function with social distancing, it's possible. Both are contingent on people being crowded, frankly, into a fairly small space. And the process of tourism involves meeting people and coming into contact with people that you don't normally meet. And that's part of the principle of it. So I think um, if people travel, um, they will have conquered that fear. And I think that um, we need to start shifting our attention slightly away from reassuring people that their experience in the nation is going to be safe. I think they will take that as red. We have to start encouraging people to behave as normal. That is the crucial factor. And I think all we can hope for is that the experience the perception and the hope of the experience that they're going to have. And for a lot of people, um, their annual holiday in Greece is the high point of their year. They think the experience that they're going to have in Greece is worth the risk. And that's the, that's the image and the idea that has to be embedded in people's minds before tourism can take off. But it will take off. What fears I've got, um, I think I, I, it's a very unpopular thing to say, but I think it's absolutely inevitable we will see some form of second peak. How well will we, will we cope with it? I hope that we've learned the lessons from the way we've handled the first peak. And the biggest lesson is that the damage that coronavirus causes is not just to people's health, 
but to the economy of the entire society in which it's functioning. And we've got to shift the debate away from what the death rate is, how the national health services are coping, what governments are doing, to getting everyone back to work and functioning as normal. If we can do that, then we will have won. And that's the victory we need to be going for. Well, um, when, when tourists, when people who want to travel be fear, and I agree with you that, I mean, inspire trust, inspiring trust and confidence, which is what we're all trying to do, um, is a difficult exercise. Trust is something that's very easily broken and it takes a long time to rebuild, unfortunately. So does confidence. Um, fear is something that takes a hold of you and also is a difficult exercise to get rid of. Um, so I agree with your analysis. So once we get over our fear and decide to go to Santorini, Kaya, um, why don't you tell us, I mean, before I come to the first, the first question from, from people is also for you, but tell us, you know, you're the recipient of this. Now the commission makes these guidelines. I'm in parliament or the EPP, which is my political family in parliament. Parliament. We have issued a paper on tourism, which we're, we're going to discuss in the next plenary. We'll, we're going to make all these guidelines. Uh, Prime Minister Mitsotakis issues all these guidelines. Now, you actually have to make this happen on the ground. Um, and, and I think that your hotels are also, you can see the perspective of a big hotel and a smaller hotel, correct? So, because I know you, you belong to a pain of hotels too. That's the reason is because you can tell us what happens for big hotels and for small hotels. So what does balance look like from your perspective? First of all, I want to thank you as well, Anna Michelle, for putting this discussion together. It's really very, very useful at these days. I mean, you know, we take it day by day. And um, indeed, yes, balance. I would say uh, this balance is very sensitive, if, if there is any balance. Uh, we, we, we talk about the new normal, uh, it's becoming the now normal. Uh, I mean, I never in my life, I've been in 20 years in tourism, never in my life I would think that the end of May uh, have such a you know, dark horizon of, of what is going to happen with, with our businesses, with the tourism in Greece in general, with all these people waiting you know, to... to start working in the tourism sector and such an uncertainty. Um, uh, it seems that this is so big that it's not anymore a problem. I mean, it seems that it's uh, reality. It seems that this is, this is how things are and this is how things will be. But of course, it's in our hands to um, not only to, for us to adapt, but, but for the reality, reality to adapt in, within us, which means that, um, yeah, currently uh, we start to see a bit of light uh, um, in the islands, especially after, um, after our Prime Minister's announcement last week uh, for the opening of tourism uh, for the uh, year-round hotels in June 1st and the small hotels in June 15th. Um, still, of course, flights is is an issue you know i mean greece relies on international uh tourism and not so much on domestic tourism but we see some kind of light uh and um it seems that people are starting to get their hope back for of course 
I mean, the best expectation would be to have about one third of of travelers in Greece uh, than what is what was expected in 2020. But at least to get things going, so a very sensitive balance. Um, I need to say though that uh, the European Commission announced um, the measures that were announced are really uh, working towards that balance. Uh, most of the sectors of tourism uh, had been assisted by by um, these measures and suggestions, uh, opening of borders, putting together countries that have um, a similar um, epidemiological level, um, also giving guidelines to all stakeholders of tourism on how to deal with this situation. So, um, guidelines on travelers, on hotels, transport companies, airlines mostly, um, everybody working in the service sector. So we need, um, we need to alert everybody from our side as hoteliers and, and as you correctly said, representing also um, international hotel chains. We do, have, um, we do have the information and also we have uh, created a mindset that we ourselves as stakeholders of tourism should be mentors and should educate other parts of the tourism chain because it's it's a big chain of supply and demand in order for all of us to adapt and respect what is happening and help things move quicker um, we should be very open very transparent we should uh, communicate everything very very openly um, we need to say to set a safe and positive example uh, because once people start to travel and once, you know, borders open, which we are at this stage, um, this will create a psychological effect. And I believe that people will slowly be reassured that countries are opening back, so that means that things are okay, so we, we can start slowly, slowly. But people are still scared because they don't know what exactly is happening in each country. Well, Kai, so, can you, can you this is a really nice existential approach and, and, and brave, and, and I commend you for wanting to be a good example, but what about practically? I mean, hmm. what are you doing practically? Are you having to make an investment in your hotels to change things? I mean, is this, is this, oh, okay. is this feasible? Are these guidelines how to observe social distancing at breakfast or, you know, what happens to your night, the bar in the, in your hotel or what, how you clean the rooms cleaned and how much, you know, is this practical? I mean, is this happening? Is this doable? This is, yeah. I mean, it is doable in the sense that you're willing to do the investment, but you have no other option. Uh, investment has to do mostly on changing of mindset, a lot of training and education. And of course, uh, a lot of chains, um, uh, procedures in cleaning, cleaning and, you know, disinfecting and stuff. All the rest is quite doable. And this is, this is something also to, to complement the, the uh, European Commission for helping with, with these measures, because otherwise everything would be dead. Uh, but it's easier for uh, companies like ours, and there are quite a lot of these in Greece, to adapt in this mindset because we have a, quite of an international mindset as well. It's not easy for everybody, uh, especially in the Greek islands and in small businesses. So this is why I insist, 
And this is something we're already working on, so it's not just an idea. Uh, so we are, we are creating, especially in Santorini, that of course is, is you know, one of the star islands of Greece, we're creating a committee within the private sector, within the Hoteliers Association, where we will give this information and we will also educate hoteliers, uh, small, big, whatever, whoever is coming and asking for information, how can I do that? Uh, help me, I don't understand how am I disinfecting, okay. how do I do social distancing, what do I, what do I reply if, if uh, potential guests are asking me that? Uh, so all these things we're creating, we're putting procedures together uh, so that between us we help each yeah, other, but not only for hoteliers, it's for everybody in tourism, for service providers, transfer companies, um, you know, catamaran boats, restaurants, small, big. You don't expect all these people to have the education to be able to follow. So we need to work as one. We need to work together to help each other. And well, we, we were inundated literally by questions. I mean, my staff here has chosen a bunch of questions, but basically, wherever they go in Greece, sometimes they go to the bigger islands or to big all-inclusive hotels or to smaller rooms to let. They're basically, let me just put it this way, asking what can they expect? Who's gonna tell them what to expect? I, I, I mean, I know this might be interesting for the commission also. I mean, this is, this is, this is testament. I think to how important it is to make this application that explains things to people and gives them access to, 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 to information that they also know is not fake news or is not, you know, is actually reliable. But this is, so when I, before I go back to Tom, Kaya, what can they, what can the, you know, what can the tourist expect um, that's totally, you know, that's different than last year. What, what's the main thing you would tell a tourist to encourage them to come to Greece, which yes, has, has been, is considered safe and whatever, but Santorini is a beautiful place. You don't have to convince them about that. Yes, you're observing the guidelines. What do you tell somebody aside from get over your fear, which I appreciate? Uh, what, we, what we tell, and this is what Greece has shown also as, as an example, I mean, we're one of the success stories and I, I'm, I'm very, very positive about that. We say that uh, we follow the guidelines, we follow the rules uh, announced by, um, by the health organization. Okay. We are very, very strict on that and, uh, and also our government, and if this is going to happen, is, is checking on us. Okay. So we make sure that everything is done in the most proper way, but also, also we make sure that the experience is not lost. We will be very creative in that, but we will make it happen. I mean, the Greek summer experience will not be lost. We will not turn our properties into hospitals by all means, but we will work around all these protocols and we will apply them in the most efficient way so that travelers will feel and will be safe not only feel but they will be safe and this of course is starting from within us from our staff and from the constant education that we will do okay. so this is something we're not creating so tom okay this is this number one message to tourists you'll be safe you're safe with us you're safe with us get over your fear to us you're safe with us um to, to, to put some sort of objective criteria on what safe means, 
um, there is a scheme under discussion which would basically sort of rank European de tourism destinations based on an index and then characterize them as, you know, red, yellow, green, safer, the safest. I've got a lot of questions about that. Um, uh, an owner of a, of a, of a Betis here in Greece is saying that there's, I've been reading articles that says that Greece or even Europe will be cut into these, you know, risk zones depending on various, is there a hospital nearby, you know, how many cases did you have? Um, is, is that, and is complaining, of course, that that's completely unfair. Uh, is that useful? Is that a good idea? Is that something the you know the commission should be considering? Is that something nation states should be considering? Is it do your clients will they be asking that? Do they care? Do they just want to make their own decisions? You need to unmute your microphone for them. Thank you. I think the main thing I've got a lot of uh, people who are worrying about this, uh, and the criticism of it is that. Um, it uh, projects what has happened, not what will happen when it gets there. And if you're looking at destination, Greece is a classic example. Um, the main threat is not posed by the destination, it's posed by the other visitors. Um, and um, that's, that's the, if, if you're frightened, that's what you should be fearful of. Um, I think um, all these efforts that are taking place in addition are important. I don't want, for one moment, want to say they're unimportant. But within the context of someone going through an airport, lining up to get into the airport, lining up to get uh, to check in, lining up to get through security, where we know social distancing, and lining up to get on board an aircraft, and then sitting on board an aircraft, three in a row, they are not going to do any sensing on aircraft. Aircraft cannot fly unless they've got the ability to fly to capacity. Uh, once they've gone through all that, to worry about social dis in destination, I think is um, is is a slight fantasy, um, and I think it's also very unfair to start grading places on what you think might happen versus of what has happened. Um, I think that the whole experience of going on holiday, as I alluded to in my opening statement, is not one which is compatible with social distancing. I don't think, um, if you think of any of the nightlife in any of the areas in Greece, uh, it's inconceivable that nightclubs or bars, um, a nightclub with social distancing, it's inconceivable. Um, and um, the core product of what you're selling to people um, involves interaction and uh, contact. And I think people will just have to accept that there is a level of risk if they want to enjoy it. And that's really the end, end, end point. I think the central point is, I go back to what the Commission is aiming for. Pandemic is what it says on the tin. It's everywhere. And to impose restrictions on people moving on the basis of nationality or locality, I think is futile. And I think it's counterproductive and it's deeply damaging. And so I, I go back to the point that what you need to see within Europe is a Schengen area which is an oath that respects principles of the Schengen area. And a core principle of Schengen is the free movement of people. All right, that couldn't be clearer than that, right? <laughs> um, Anna, if you want to jump in here, um, I think uh, maybe an interesting 
question for you would be, here we have, we have Ian from Ireland. It works for a travel agency and he says that the situation with safety rules in transport, especially with airplanes, is there. So I'm just described an impossible situation of any social distancing and made a, a judgment because yes, airlines can't fly if they're not flying at capacity. Yes, they can if they're they double the they double the price of their airfare or if they're subsidized by state for a certain amount of time. But yes, I guess really the business model is not conducive to to having a intermediate seats free or every other row. Um, so so Ian is worried um, about this. I mean, this is what Ian is wondering. Ian is wondering is, is if you put rules for decreased capacity in, in aircraft, will he end up not being able to ever travel because it'll be very expensive or what's going to happen or, um, and also puts basically what Tom says, which is, you know, where does this end um, in terms of where we put rules and, and what is that, what does that do to my own let's say, freedom to enjoy my vacation? Well, we talked about balance, and I think it's important to keep that in mind uh, because it's very much a fine balance between different aspects, uh, between freedom of movement, between uh, individual freedom and human rights, if you call it like that, sure. what, to, what to make of yourself, so human response, I mean, personal responsibility. Uh, it is about procedures, it's about costs, it's about businesses. Uh, that's what we discussed earlier and I, I cannot outline that enough. And I think it's also relevant uh, to this question. Uh, so maybe then I should repeat again saying that uh, health safety is important, it cannot be right. And then perhaps there, there's a, a slight nuance between what Tom is saying and what uh, we are saying. Um, it's, it's a new uh, virus, it's a new situation, and indeed we have to make sense out of it, but we cannot undermine what is perceived as public health, protection of public health. So that's important, and this is why uh, at the Commission we try to develop guidance for uh, member states, for public authorities, but also for businesses. And in this case, to reply to Ian's question, we uh, issued guidance on all modes of transport, including uh, aviation airplanes on the 13th of May. But in the case of aviation, we went further and we asked uh, EASA, which is the European yes. Agency for Aviation, and ECDC, European Center for Disease Control, who uh, holds all the data on the uh, epidemiological situation, to develop a specific protocol for um, aviation and airlines. And this became available on the 20th of May, a week ago. Now, um, why? Because it's important on one hand to protect travelers uh, and also restore ser transport services in a sustainable manner. Uh, it's true that airlines and airports need to adapt to the situation, uh, ensuring physical distancing where it's possible or introducing equivalent measures. And that's very important. And I would like to underline this phrase of equivalent measures. For instance, in the case of airplanes, uh, we have to see how companies will adapt to this situation, stepping up the um, filtering uh, system they have, the air condition, which is already of very high quality in planes, but even make it equivalent to the quality of the air conditioning system in hospitals, for instance. See how they can group uh, passengers of the same family, where indeed they can sit together. 
see what is meant in their case, uh, how they can apply or observe physical distancing, or introduce equivalent measures, for instance, the use of uh, face masks, or other measures concerning how the, the public spaces on the, or surfaces on the airplane can be handled or touched, how passengers can be protected, etc. I don't want to enter in more detail. Mm. So, but it's true, even with that, it's true, this will come at a cost for airlines. And uh, we see that the situation is having an impact on airlines and airports and air carriers. And this may have an impact on the market, on the travel market, on the medium and long term. And this is why the Commission is monitoring the situation. Uh, it's too early at this point to assess the consequences. Nobody can say, yes, the price of air tickets will go up or airlines will have more financial problems. But we're monitoring the situation. Why? Because from the point of view of the Commission, we want to make sure that there is a level playing field across air carriers, airlines from different member states and all actors in the single market. And we also want to ensure diversity in the tra transport sector and financially viable businesses. This is where member states can come in and assist businesses, as we mentioned, their state aid or other support measures. And it's important to keep businesses financially viable. Why? Because over the longer term, this will give more choice to consumers. So that's all I can say for now. Uh, we are monitoring, we have tools under competition policy to intervene if things go not in the right direction for consumers. But for the moment, there's nothing that we can say or do uh, because we don't have a crystal ball. Huh? Yeah, that's true. Okay, so, well, I thank you very much for participating in this, and as we wrap up, maybe each one of you could, in, you know, in one or two phrases, tell me, having seen all perspectives from, oh, well, it's, you know, nice to take measures, but basically we're just all going to have to get over our fear and decide this is the new normal, take our risks until there's uh, a solution to the pandemic. That's one end of the spectrum. The other is stay at home and don't travel, and we're trying to find uh, a middle ground. So what would be the number one factor upon which the successful, let's say, rejuvenation of the tourism industry in Europe would be? And I, I'll give you my perspective to start before I thank all of you. I think it would be restoring trust, trust that it's safe and um, an experience that you will remember. So I would say trust. How about you, Tom? Hello, microphone. Uh, I would say you've got people have got to learn to relax and enjoy themselves. Um, that is the crucial element of tourism. Okay. Kaya, I would say um, a consistent communication and safeguarding health, at least for this coming months and then we get back to enjoy we'll see. Okay. travel and yeah. And Anna? Hmm. Well, I would say cooperation and information. Okay, very Should good. Yeah. All right, well, we'll put that all together and I will, with all that together, thank you very much for your participation. Wish you to stay healthy and wish you to relax and enjoy the summer. And if you find your way to Greece, we'll be here to greet you, won't we? Yeah. Well, thank you very much.
Thank you. Well, I'm Greece this summer. I have a flight for Greece this summer. I just hope that I can fly from Belgium. That's the problem. We'll see. Yeah, well, I have to get back there to, for Parliament soon. So there we go. Uh, good luck. Yeah, okay. good luck to everybody. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tom. Goodbye. Thank you very much indeed. Bye. Thank you. Bye, Anna. Bye, Color. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you.